Hey, uh, welcome everybody. Hello, hello. My name is Lauren. I am joined by Baba Bowie Hats. This is the 11th episode of Men of the Storm. Um, for those who are just hearing us or seeing us for the first time, Meta the Storm is a you know a show slash podcast where we talk about the meta of Heroes of the Storm. We talk about current trends. We look at the you know the ebb and flow of the meta in both the competitive scene as well as in our own daily lives and our adventures in unranked quick match. And, well, not so much quick match, but Hero League. Uh, and then we make it very much an interactive thing. So you're, you're welcome to ask comment, you know, put in comments, ask questions, and stuff like that. Uh, how you doing tonight, Bob? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. I had my allergies reacting up earlier today, but uh, popped reacting, and now I'm chilling. Cool. So I'm good. And I'm just getting over freaking felt like avian bird flu. Oh, I think I had some smash con, man. That's freaking rough, dude. I think I had something similar. Yeah, I had to cast sweet synergies with it. It was uh, it was it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> at one point I realized yeah. that if I like talked like this then it didn't hurt my throat so I started talking oh. like this and then Imagination Man couldn't stop laughing so I was like alright that's that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to power through all that yeah I, I was in the same boat man I was, I was by the end of this past Saturday I was, I was in pretty rough shape but uh got through it it's been an interesting week thus far but Yesterday was the last day of the qualifiers. Uh, the last two teams do have a shot at BlizzCon. Um, were able to qualify for PAX West. And that was uh, imported support. And who, what was the other team? TNC. TNC. You know, I was surprised. Uh, I was really looking forward to seeing um, Team Blaze in particular. I followed them. Um I know that Vox Nahelia was a favorite to win out of that whole progression. Um, did you get a chance to see any of their games? I did not. Uh, I had a concert on Sunday, so I like. So I was uh, supposed to cast them. I was supposed to cast them in the semis against imported support. Like I was supposed to cast that series, but I was oh, like, wow. no, like I, I'm, I, I'm leaving. Like it's sorry. <laughs> so yeah, can't be two places at once, man. You can't just teleport. I mean, I am the cool kid, but I don't have teleportation powers. The famed and fabled cool kid of hats has been designated right here on Metal of the Storm. Yeah, man, it, it was an interesting set. It came down to game three. Uh, Importer support came out on top. It, it was really cool to see that because Vox and Healy, um, you know, they're obviously a strong team. Imported support. Uh, you would know them as Hecarim J from LSU probably. Yeah, Team and Smart here, is actually... Yeah, Team Smart. I prefer that. Uh, <laughs> Baba Booey and I casted them a couple weeks ago at Sweet Synergy, or more like three weeks ago now. And and they've run that composition again. You want to talk about straying outside the meta. So this team likes to run um, Chogol, Thrall, Rhaegar, and Goldan. Yeah. Straight up Team Smork. It was a- and it... It was like a point-and-click <laughs> wombo, like, every time. It was like upheaval, twisting nether, earthquake, earthquake. I think they went Sunder. I think they misclicked and went Sunder that game, though. Oh, the one the one time? Well, the, yeah. the last time I seen it, they definitely went earthquake. And then uh, rain and destruction. Hey, FC Ignition. Yeah, man. Yeah, shout-out to FC Ignition. You actually qualified. 
It was like, oh, okay, cool. And then everybody would just die. And I was just like, <laughs> like, like okay. Team fight's breaking out, and then upheaval and everything dies, and you're just like, well, yeah. all I can do, really do is yell happy feet, and that ain't Falco. <laughs> That's my job as a showcaster done. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you see that You see that uh, carpet get yanked out from under them, and then everybody's just waiting to respawn. It was hilarious. Well, it's funny, because like, as a color caster, like, as an analyst, mm. you're supposed to be like, like, yeah, you know, they played that team fight really well. And all you can really say is, yeah, they pressed their archies, and they won the team fight. <laughs> so, for sure. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> They were doing that for real, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad to see them, uh, make it to Pax West. I'll definitely be rooting for them, cause uh, I mean the amateur scene, the the line between amateur and pro just continues to blur, in my opinion. Um, I I think pro teams are actually kind of doing themselves a disservice by being so insular in their um, scrim schedule by only scrimming like you know four different teams or something like that it's like yeah you know those teams really well but on the horizon there's all these other amateur teams that are that are hungry man and they know how to play the game and they come out here and then they surprise the hell out of you and then you're you know gale force esports wondering how you how you're dropping sets Actually, I want to comment on Gale Force Esports real quick because I happen to know. I don't know if this is actually secret information or not, but it's it was like it was for summer regionals, so I, I think I can talk about it now. Um, they actually scrimmed RFS, and like when they approached RFS to scrim them, they're like, "Look, we like we're not going to take these scrims seriously. These are like, can we find composition that works?" And like that's really cool. You pick an amateur team, and you're like, "Okay." We're not going to scrim you at full power. Like, we're going to be like, okay, can we run like a Chogal? Like, can we try it? And does it work? And that they did it. And, like, they would they would do stuff like that, right? Just be like, well, how far can we push the metal? Like, can we push it? Like, how well can we run with Tracer? And they would just try and run these crazy things. So it uses a testing ground. And even as, like, an amateur team, if you're being used as a testing ground, you're still learning so much, right? right. So that was kind of cool. And then they ended up just, like, demolishing everyone. So, you know, scrim amateur teams and you're going to win. <laughs> That's correlation, you know? Definitely Actually, we like that dynamic. I mean, if I was the amateur team, I wouldn't feel like, you know, upset or anything by that. Like, you're 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 seeing, you know, a high level of play. You're you're seeing that, um, that highest tier of of players do what they do. And I'm pretty sure once they once RFS start putting the screws on, well, RFS disbanded. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about yeah. back then. It was like, oh, yeah. oh, maybe we need to play a little more serious than we initially thought. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, it, it's cool to see stuff like that. I love Gale Force, so I'm I'm glad to hear that they're doing stuff like that. And and it keeps those teams fresh. Like you, you gotta you gotta be aware of what's going on. Exactly. But um, for the most part, the compositions over the qualifiers definitely seem to favor. Gray main interior, <laughs> two topics of conversation which we'll be going over later on because of that patch, uh, the upcoming changes that just got announced like like a half hour or so ago, something I, like that. Yeah, I, don't know, I like checked it, Twitter it and I saw like, Shay Howard retweeted it. And I was like, all right, yeah. let's look at the notes. But I actually want to give a quick shout out to Imported Support because something I was really impressed with and I was talking to Dunk about it was how well they played the map. And it wasn't like they would pick. They picked a team comp, and it was like they should not win team fights with this team comp. Like straight up five v five death balls, they should not win. And then they just played with the globals so well and like perfectly, and would get picks using them, and like take the 
take a 5v5, but, like, instantly kill one person with, like, Gus, Sunder, and Tomb, and then kind of disengage and just rotate around the map and clean up the map. And it was really cool to see because it wasn't that typical, like, this is a hero brawler. It was, like, we're going to out-rotate you and just outplay you on the map. And, like, I love seeing that. I mean, it's a fresh angle to take. Um, I, I, I still think that our meta these days as a whole is probably the widest it's ever been as far as, like, how many heroes are viable. But as far as the overall ebb and flow of how teams approach competitive play, I still think it's very narrow. So to see these different strategies come into play and really shock, you know, oh, at two minutes, I'm not expecting all this. Like, oh, after the Punisher drops, like, I'm not prepared for all that. Like, to have those elements at play is really cool to me. So I really hope we start to see more of that stuff and it trickles down more in a, you know... Hero League, Grandmaster, Master, stuff like that. Because that's how, that's how the community gets better. That's how we all improve. So, yeah, yeah I definitely sure. would commend imported support uh, on that. And, and I love that they have oddball compositions. Well, I would say it was an oddball kind of the team smart, team The Team Smork comp, that is a... You don't see that every day. But another, another composition that you don't see every day... <laughs> That Team came Blaze? out yesterday. Team Blaze as a as a history of playing compositions that are not necessarily standard. That's that's an interesting that, way that, <laughs> Not necessarily standard. Not necessarily standard. And uh they definitely <laughs> held up that end of the bargain. Uh this past Sunday on Curse Tyler. I don't know if you guys got to see it or not. But um the composition they ran with included Lily, who uh Baba Booey, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's some <laughs> some oracle out there who's been saying Lily's sleeper OP. And <laughs> Wait, 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 hold- how long has this oracle been saying it for? <laughs> it's funny you should ask. For months! <laughs> for months! <laughs> um, what was the comment? It was Lily, Butcher, Medivh, Abathur. Abathur? Tyrion. And, and then uh, what was the fifth one? Tyrion. Tyrion. it's a different one that I'm, that I'm seeing right now. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's Tyrion. I was like... Hey, Cowboy Kyle's going, man. Just for months. But I saw that composition, and, and I'm pretty sure they had picked Lili last. I forget what the have... exact draft order was. Didn't you send me a link for that? I'm... Yeah, it's going. I, I don't. It doesn't have. I don't think it has the actual draft. Yeah, but... I was trying to find that myself. But a... yeah, I I saw that composition. And to be honest, I was pretty concerned. I was like, I don't know, I don't know how that one's going to work because that they went up, they were going against like Lee Ming and, and Gray Ming, I think. Yeah, yeah, they, it ended up, yeah, it ended up not working. <laughs> but well, see, it you didn't catch the game. I did. The game, the team fights. They they won that game. They won that game, and then they ended up thrown it pretty hard okay, that okay. that was the problem but in the team fights 
they were doing some serious work. Uh, Oddish was on Medivh playing quite aggressively with those tele, well, like with the portals. <laughs> so it was just like it was a wombo setup of sorts. Anytime they won a team fight, Jugs got popped like right at the beginning, and then everyone just kind of jumped in and went ham. And the team fight was more or less over by the time Jugs played out. And there was also a land of the slaughter. So it was like land of the slaughter somebody, they get ripped off the map, like immediately. And then more or less it was just chased down and clean up from there. And anybody that tried to run anybody that tried to run away, they just got a portal put in their face. Yeah. And it was messed up, man. You should definitely go back and watch the vibe because I was surprised at how effective it was. It took a couple of tries for them to really uh, bring it to the fold, but once they got those heroics, that that was a whole thing. Formation versus Trace are too cool. Man. My question with that is, um, were they cloning Lily? Because that's who I'd be cloning if I was out with her. They were cloning Butcher. Okay, because Butcher, Butcher clone ma- works. But in my experience, whenever I've had a Lily and I clone Lily, we like demolish team fights. It's disgusting, like absolutely it's, ridiculous. It's almost like she's sleeper OP. Sleeper OP. <laughs> and, and you know what happens when you clone a Lily? You get a second Lily, and you know we're not saying main support Lily. We're saying second support. Second, sec- secondary support Lily. I think it's twenty percent ability power increased. So our DPS just goes up. I mean. Second heal, support Lily with higher DPS. It's got more, a POP. It's like double good. Yeah, I mean, it it was heartbreaking to see how that game ultimately ended. Like, they had that game one dead the rights, Baba. Like, I believe it. Two arc, two arc was out of structures. So they come out of the they had cursed the enemy team, get all the structures, and like. They tried to go for the core, and the core went... I forget what the exact percentage it was, but... They didn't really all commit like that, so they had the hearth back. And then they decided to go for their boss on the bottom left corner of the map. And then they all died in the throw pit. Yeah, it feels bad. And it was just like, they literally could have just waited until they were all alive. And just go over to the core and win the game. Yeah. Like, there was only one way that they were going to lose that game, and it was to all wipe on the boss and then have their keep run over. And then, like, right as they all died, like, the tribute showed up right there, and then that was a curse against them. Like, it it was rough. Lord Bruce says, the thing about... For those of you thinking uh, second support Lily is, like, cloning Lily isn't OP, you gotta try it. I thought it was stupid, and then I tried it, and it's stupid good. So, I mean, like, I was like, there's no way this is good. And we were like, yeah. given we were already winning the game, but like, I cloned Lily in the fight, and it was just like, they, our team was at full health the entire fight, and we smashed them. I was like, yeah. well, wait, wait, wait. So now every time I have Lily, I just clone Lily. And uh, it's game you over. You heard it here from the cool kid himself. Stupid so don't knock it until you try it. Don't, don't knock it until you try that, it. That's what I've learned in the meta, for sure, or in, in Heroes of the Storm in general. Lorbu says, the thing about cloning Lily is... At that point, you have two Lilies and a Medivh of Tyrael. Butcher is all your damage. And I... Lord, Lord Boo? Lily doesn't, doesn't get mass vortex. Uh, Lily's no slouch on damage. Those those serpents, they, they add up. I know and she doesn't have those talents. Neither is Medivh. Like, Medivh puts out good damage. Like, I've right. out-damaged t- like, my entire team when I'm playing Medivh. Mm. 
It's, it's disgusting. Lumay says, Medivh got caught overextending top in their base, then got boss jumped. Yeah, yeah. What is <laughs> throw pit is throw pit. I mean, yeah, regardless of your composition, you get wiped on the boss and then the curse shows up. That's going to be. Yeah, that's the noopsie. <laughs> Lopez's second support Lili's fine. Third support Lili, not so much. Lili's no slouch on damage when you have talents. I'm, I'm telling you, try it. Just like, you don't have to believe me and you can say I'm wrong after. But until you try it, don't knock it. Like, it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, in that immediate composition, I think it could work more. It, it does. It, it, is, it becomes a carry the butcher sort of situation oh, yeah. at that point. But having two Lili's, you know, pressing Q every three seconds... While Jugs is going, like, Butcher's effectively immortal at that point. So, you put a couple of Serpents on him, and, like, if he has his stacks up, that's gonna work. Because he's gonna be <laughs> yeah. running people over, and he just will not be losing health. So I'd be tempted to get a second Medivh, too. That's, like, two invin- invulnerables, five-second cooldown, 1.5 seconds. So, that's, like... I can't even. That's three seconds on like a three seconds of invulnerable and like a five second down, like two seconds yeah. of downtime on vulnerable. Like that's so gross. It's it's. I want to try it out. It's something I would consider. Uh, Smelly pickle three says I can't get the hang of Medivh, but at the same time he's only level two. Here's a question for the casters. I'm curious to hear what the question is. Lord Boo says she doesn't get her blind talents to hit more things. You don't get serpent talents. You don't get master's touch, etc. Lili's oh yeah, no, no, that's like fully right. Jugs but... is going. So it's Jugs with another Lili pressing Q. That's fair. That's fair. And, and the way they were approaching those team fights, it was Thousand Cups at the beginning of the team fight. But still, the, I, I feel like the point still stands. A, a cloned Lili is going to allow Butcher to just go full ham, like with Cups and another Lili. Doing like the normal heal, like that. That's that's a lot of sustain. And then you have Medivh with the force of will. One point five seconds is a long time for uh, Jugs to do work. So uh, maybe just run there, Lols. <laughs> oh, run Uther. Oh, Uther. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then you don't get the global split push pressure with Avatar. You mean in place of Lily? Uh, I don't. I don't know if it worked. I like that's definitely more standard, but I don't think it worked. It would work with what they were trying to accomplish. They definitely seem to want to play this whole like we want everybody supported with jugs and everybody like we just want to overwhelm them so they don't even really know what to focus on, and then by the time they do, Butcher's already gone in because it was just like. Sanctification, force of will, jugs, everyone's just getting, like, supported. And it's more or less, like, group invulnerability for a period of time. Yeah, the reason you actually run uh, Lili over Uther, I don't know if that's, like, specifically what you're saying or whether you're saying, like, run Lili or Uther over Medivh. Um, first of all, when you run Medivh, you get the extra damage that you don't get with Uther. And you get, like, the, the vision control mm-hmm. as well as polybomb, which is extremely useful mm-hmm. when you're running that butcher comp. Because, like, the way you kill the butchers, you group up and just, like, burst them down. And then when you have Polybomb, you can't do that as much. But um, the reason you run Lili instead of Uther is 
you can press R when Mediv has the you can press Jugs when Mediv has the shield on Butcher and like it heals him up. So typically when you play Uther with Butcher, you're like, I'm gonna get Butcher's brand, I'm gonna like just sustain off this guy. But the problem with that is you need to be attacking. So like you run it with the Lily so that not only you're getting the sustain from the the jugs, you're also getting it from the self heal. So like it just it actually works better without with force of will and jugs than it would with uh, D shield and force of will. If that makes sense. No, that's makes sense to me. Good point. Uh, Spelly pick a post in this question. What makes you think pros are resisting playing the new heroes just because they're different? So like it, it's like a three part thing. So it's uh, Blizzard's coming out with the heroes that have alternate playstyles, aggressive healers, for example. Uh, pros across all regions seem to be resisting like playing different styles and new heroes which i'm like disagree with but we're going to continue moving and then that's what makes them think that and then question is will the pro scene become stale whereas the amateur scene becomes more vibrant because they want to try new heroes Uh, i'm going to disagree and all you have to do is look at europe and like my insanity and they ran like a cheese backdoor comp like literally at globals or at uh, Mm. a i guess you'd call it globals in summer so like teams aren't resistant to trying new things and people are trying crazy new things in scrims. Like, people are running Ariel in scrims, and it's happening. The problem is, a lot of the time when you run these strats, like, the, you, you pretty much have a full draft, and it's not super interchangeable when you run that, like, Lily Butcher, Medivh kind of strategy. And if you, like, it's... When you get a comp that's good enough to do that, it becomes really easy because you're practicing against all these teams to, like, realize that's what's coming, and then you start banning things or picking things away... And, like, the draft just falls apart, and it sucks. If that makes sense. I can understand that. My my response, I think there's a lot of elements at play. Um, I think it's a really good question and a really good conversation to have. I think a lot of it has to do with the delay that um, new heroes have before they can be allowed to play in a competitive scene. Like, Ariel was not available in this last round of qualifiers. You know, it takes, like, what, two or three weeks before they become acceptable. If you're scrimming, like, left, right, and center in advance of, like, yesterday's qualifier, it does not benefit you to practice Ariel at all because you can't take her into any of the games Sunday. So the competitive scene by that alone will always kind of be behind. Like, I would imagine at PAX West we'll start to see some... Yeah, teams are Ariel because like Ariel. now they can practice Ariel and then it'll mean something. Like they won't have to like you know practice and then wait to actually use the hero. So I, I think that's that's a huge part of it. Um, another part of it is that these teams try to build up muscle memory and they try to create like micro jobs and how they approach team fights and different dynamics. And it almost becomes one dimensional. I think like I think this gray main nerf that's coming up. We'll talk about that later is going to have really big changes because gray mains just like I click R and then people eat a bunch of damage like and they almost like they're almost for sure dead if I time it right like that's my job when I play gray main and there's always only going to be a certain handful of heroes that hit a checkbox like that so unless a new hero comes out that can immediately rival that specific job that a player is looking for out of a role that I would imagine they'd be super reluctant to try like a more sustained style of damage or try a different dynamic to their team compositions when they when they 
Like, Gale Force practices eight hours a day, like, during the week. So, they just have a very, I guess, rigid approach. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about really quickly is, like, if we're using this Blaze Draft as an example, um, mm. when you draft these kind of crazy comps where the amateur scene, like, is more vibrant, um, teams at a high level are really good at analyzing win conditions. That's what often separates, like, the really good teams from the really bad team from, like, the teams that are almost there, um, is you can look at a team comp and say, okay, how does this team win? And then how does our team win? And a lot of amateur teams don't do that effectively enough. And it's just like, okay, we picked five, we picked these five heroes. We're going to try and win the game. And they just like try and execute their, like, we just want to win the game. Whereas if you look at this blaze draft, like their entire goal is to fight five V five, right? Like that is how they win the game at this draft. And two arc, like let, pretty much drafted into it. But all two arc has to do in that situation is split. Like, Use D use D Shield and Johanna and Tracer really effectively and just like not try and take 5v5s. Try as best as you can to never take a 5v5. And like you can do that at a high level. You can legitimately play the game without ever taking a 5v5. Mm. And if you analyze that as your win condition, like you should be able to play around that. And pro teams are really good at doing that. So like the reason you don't see teams do this as much is because like if Two Arc just decides never to fight you 5v5. Like, just, like, accrue uh, advantages through different means. Like, you know, going for 3v5 picks or, like, finding ways to catch people out. Then you're going to lose the game and you're putting yourself in a really risky position when you do something like this. So it's a lot better. What pros value is flexibility, right? As soon as you lock yourself into a draft, and that's why you never see, like, Vikings early picked, is because they're not flexible at all. And having a flexible team comp is really important at a high level because they know how how to abuse drafts. Like, for example, when a team picks, like, you pick something with a lack of engage, like Leoric, for example, is a solo tank, you can pick a team that has really good poke and pretty decent disengage and then just never actually let them get an engage until you poke them down low enough and you, you win the game from there, right? So it's drafting becomes much more important and keeping yourself flexible is super, super important. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. The... Uh... The other element I would add in there is that stakes are a lot higher for pro players. Like they plant, they're playing Heroes of the Storm for a living. Like these prize pools are important to them. You know, it's not just like chair league or you know just like an amateur level thing. Like they do this to eat, so they're not gonna be in that. I don't think they're gonna be too risky. <laughs> like I know you mentioned Mediv. I think Medivh should be used, utilized more in a competitive scene at all levels, like from pro down. But I, it's a high risk, high reward sort of thing. Like if you can't work well with Medivh, if your team synergy isn't there for that, then you should not take Medivh. But the the skill ceiling allows for some pretty amazing things if you can pull it off. And Flow Mage, yeah, uh, Gray Man is going to see some changes. Man. Gray Man is going to see some changes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Smelly Pickle actually asked. For example, Medivh is a better is a far better choice than Tassadar, but Tassadar is still a priority for some teams. And the reason I'm I'm not like I don't have insider knowledge on this, but I'm like just going off my knowledge and my experience and what I perceive to be true. So like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But so the reason you'll see Tassadar is a, a he's a lot less risky. Like if you pick Tassadar, you can still go anywhere with him. Um, whereas Medivh, like Medivh with a bunch of backline range carries, isn't that great. But you can still run Tassadar with backline carries. 
right? Like you want to run Medivh with Amelia Assassin. So like, yes, you run Medivh with Butcher, you run Medivh with Kerrigan. It's really good. And that's definitely better than when you run it with Tassadar. But when you when you pick Medivh and you don't have Amelia Assassin, you have to like, okay, they're running Amelia Assassin. So let's take away uh, Greymane Illidan and make sure, like, let's take away Greymane or let's take away Kerrigan and make sure that they don't have a good Amelia Assassin to support. And then you're running into a position where like, okay, we have Medivh, but we don't really have a good constant force of will target. Or you have teams that aren't actually that comfortable running Medivh. Like teams don't frequently practice it because they just want to play standard. And if there's like the stigma around not playing standard. Because as soon as you get stomped playing not standard in a LAN environment, like you're the laughing stock of the pro community. And that's just like terrible. It's really easy to tilt when you don't go standard. Like that's the other thing to it. Yeah, that, that would be rough, man. You go to PAX West and you try to pull off some eyeball combo and then you get stomped out. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, what was it? That's TNC ran um, like Chromie against Cloud9, right? I think it was like two, two like yeah. spring regionals. I was about to say Cloud9, yeah. It was, it was a yeah, or, like, I think it was spring regionals. So it was like... Or qualifiers for summer regionals or summer regionals or something. Right. And like they were like, Yeah, Chromie and then got slapped and like, why the hell would they pick Chromie? Like, why are they doing this? That's just they're clearly not actually trying. You're like, well, maybe we actually just thought Chromie was a good pick and now we're we're like people just think that we're we were messing around and picking Chromie for the, like the fun of it. And no, Chromie's like a good pick in situ in certain situations, but you know. And I'm not saying like Yes, they prefer to play standard comps. That is like, that's true. But when you, the reason they prefer to do it is because it's so easy to abuse you not playing standard. Like, there's a reason it's standard. It's because it works really well. And when you start verging away from standard, it becomes a lot easier to abuse. Like, flexibility is really important in draft. And when you start going away from that, and you start going not standard, you become less and less flexible. So it's like that they have a reason for playing standard comps, and it's because. As soon as you stop playing standard, people start figuring it out and like they just steamroll you because there's an obvious weakness in every non-standard comp. Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point there and then I actually got some gears turned on my head. Pickle said, uh, you just made my point then players prefer to play standard comps over the newer heroes that Blizzard's putting out. And and Blizzard, these past few years have had very unique gameplay mechanics like Golden. You're playing a whole different style of game. I think in, at the competitive pro level, you need, like, a mastermind to pull off a non-standard composition. Because th there's a whole art to drafting a non-standard composition that doesn't show your cards so early that you just get counterpicked and punished for. Like, I'm trying to think of an immediate example, but if you take, like, I don't know... Butcher Medivh early in a, in a comp, like that's a potent combination, it works but once you see that early you you can you can kind of prepare for it, and, and you can really make that one trick sort of dynamic not work, and then you just get like rocked pretty much so you have to pick that in a way that's like, well, we get, we get these kind of tricky things like fourth or fifth or third after some of these bands have already gone through, but we also have to pick something flexible enough to not really give it away, or we could just play standard. Like, and I think most people just go for the path of least resistance. 
you keep saying standard and not flexible as if they are the same. Drafts that are standard are predictable and can be easily outdrafted. If drafts that are standard can be easily outdrafted, then they're like teams will be doing it. Like you have to understand these people like eat, sleep, and breathe heroes when they're playing at a high enough level. Like scrimming eight hours a day, you you start to realize where the holes are in standard drafts, and they become not standard because they have holes in them. Right, like the protect the gray main comp was a standard draft, and there was clearly like people were banning it out because there wasn't a hole in it. It was really flexible too, because you could just run gray main as a first pick, and then you could go anywhere from it. Right, like we're not saying I'm not like it's standard picks that make standard drafts, and the standard picks are standard because they're flexible. Right, like the reason you don't see lost Vikings is because they're not like they're not flex like. They're not flexible, right? You have to run yeah. something with it for it to work. Old cognitive complexity always came fifth and sixth because their drafts are predictable. Their their drafts were predictable because they had limited hero pools, and that was because like I'm not going to fire shots, but like Glorong really only played melee assassins, and like that puts a heavy burden on your team when everyone knows you only play melee assassins. And there's like there's standard, but like standard covers a really wide variety, and cognitive didn't actually draft standard. They drafted like what was good for them, which was just melee assassins, right? So that wasn't the standard meta at the time. Like, the standard meta was double tank or what was... What else did they run? Like, you can't call running solo no tank and running Illidan Brightwing Tassadar standard. That wasn't standard, and that's something they, like, they ran, right? Mm. It's, like... I don't know. Yeah. We could have a whole discussion about this, but, like, it's <laughs> <laughs> <this is> fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other element I didn't even think about. Like, player pools and and trends also play in the drafts. Like, you know, people are known for very specific heroes. Like, you go up against Gale Force Esports, like, I don't know if I'm going to let Lee Ming hang out there for too long up against Tracer. I, You know, so... I think by the time you consider all those complex elements, it's just safer to go... My definition of standard builds in a lot of flexibility in and of itself because it's like if you take I'm trying to think Thrall, Rhaegar, Murden for your first three picks and your first pick, so like that's what you have going into the second band phase. Like you are still very flexible. Like you yeah, can still change your back end of your draft to even go for another warrior or something like that. Like but. standard typically is support, uh, support two melees, two range. Like that's mm. that's generally standard, and you like you might switch one or two things out. And there's like give or take one hero pick, but generally like standard is melee asset like melee threat tank range threat support, and then your fourth pick is very flexible and that's like the standard composition and when we say not standard we mean things like triple tank Kael'thas right like that's that, that's not standard right or like and it works yes it like you can pull it out but it's also very exploitable if you see it coming Man. and like not or not standard like running four melees and Rhaegar right like that's it's not really standard and like you can run Gazlo into that and you can just win the game if you're good enough at Gazlo yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's a whole different there's there's a myriad of complexities there. It's a really good question. It's a really good conversation. 
Uh, Big Wiz says, I think the same thing happened to Black vs. Tempo. Rich was there glowering. Yeah, like, if you can punish a, like, a small hero pool, um, and if that pool happens to be non-standard, like, you are not going to do very well at the competitive That's level. what, um, <laughs> Murloc said they did to Vox, right? Like, they, they analyzed their games and were like, okay, these people are comfortable on these heroes. And, like, you could see it because it didn't look like Vox was very comfortable playing against Murloc, and then they 3-0'd them. And then they played against Gale Force. They kind of put them in a position where, okay, we're not going to let My- Michael Udall get a good melee assassin, and we're not going to let uh, Crowen get Lee Meng. And it forces them onto, like, secondary picks that they're not as comfortable on, and it's very abusable. Yeah. Your comp needs to have different different modes to it, in my opinion. Like, if the game's not going your way, you need to have some defensive angles to try to get yourself back in there. You need wave clear to make sure that you're staying, you know, in the fight as far as experience goes. If you go for some one-trick wombo thing and it doesn't work, and that was really the only thing you had going for you, they get, like, the game is over. Yeah, so like, it, you run a wombo combo and how do you play against the wombo combo? You, like, fight them when their alts are down. <laughs> right. And that's like you you refuse to grow up against a wombo combo comp and like you do your best not get engaged on and that's it. Like if they can't death ball then you win the game. So it, it just becomes risk versus reward. Like if you the further outside the norm you go, you you need the guarantee that it's gonna do what you're trying to have it do. Cuz the team and the whole, the whole game that started this conversation, the uh, the team plays composition, when they didn't get value out of Cups, if when they didn't get, like, one or two kills by the time Cups and Sanctification ran out, it did not go very well for them. Like, they, they had a very shortened timer to make that work. And when it worked, it, it worked great. But you just have to understand that if you run a composition like that, like, we, we've got to get this done in this time frame to make this work. Otherwise, <laughs> it could get pretty rough. Uh, yeah, for Lugan sure. says, draft Tyrael. Tyrael can counter Wombo combos. That, yeah. That- it can if he doesn't get blown up instantly. Like, you, you still need to get Sank down. <laughs> which, <laughs> it sounds bad. Like, you still need to get Sank down, but, like, it, it happens. It feels bad when it doesn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough to use uh, Tyrael in a defensive capacity. It, it requires so much coordination from your team. I generally don't like solo warrior Tyrael um, compositions because they can feel gimmicky and reliant on sanctification. And my tank experience, I just... Not having a stun or some effective means of peel makes me feel like I'm not really a tank. I don't know. It Like, it's hard to body block, like... I mean, you can do it with Tyrael, like, you can queue around, but it's it's not the same as a stun. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to play Solo Warrior, Tyrael, or Leoric. But with the changes, you know. <laughs> judgment, lower cooldown. <laughs> hey. We talked about it. <laughs> hey, freaking how's it going, man? Renika says, I think Tass is a better choice than Medivh in most situations. Um, I think Tassadar is an easier choice. I think it's a more and it's a more cons- it, well no not easier it's more consistent yeah it's easier to get value out of Tassadar than Medivh 
you're operating on 1.5 seconds. You'd be like, all right, go in there and do your damage. Um, don't like be aware. Like, I don't know. You you put a shield on someone on Tassadar, it, it it's just a lot safer to me. A lot more understandable in like a solo queue situation than than Medivh. That's my opinion. Yeah, it's like you can throw Tassadar into 80% of comps, and he does like you can throw Tassadar into like. 60% of comps, and he does better, like, he does okay, and then you can throw him into, like, 20% of other comps, and he does good, like, really good, and then you throw Medivh the into 20% of comps, and he does stupid good, but mm-hmm. it's like, would you rather have a, a hero that performs Alchemy, like, 80% of the time, or one that performs stupid good 20% of the time, and typically you want one that performs, like, one that performs really well 80% of the time. I just yeah. made those numbers up, but that's, like... <laughs> No, you make the point, though. I mean, it, it just comes down to value. It comes down to value. Like, if you can, if you can get value out of certain things, then they're obviously going to have merits. Like Butcher Medivh. Like, if you if you can time those forces of wills, right, and you synergize really well on that front, you're going to get a lot more value. But if you just, like, solo pick... If you're just playing by yourself in Hero League and you take Medivh, and the rest... Of, and, like, your team doesn't really understand how Medivh works... And, like, your gray main... Like, you pick Medivh because you have a gray main on your team. You're like, all right, man, like, I, I can, you know, force civilian, you can be a lot more aggressive than you would otherwise. And that gray main never really does that. You just, like... Yeah, I can speak from experience. <laughs> Don't pick Hero League Medivh unless you're doing it with someone who's really good. <laughs> I've done it. I'm just, like, I'm picking Medivh and locked it in in, like, second mm-hmm. rotation when our team can still draft around it. And then they refuse to draft around it, and then you just, like... You go into a game and you're like, well, now I'm solo support Medivh because my last pick went Nova. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's shaky. It's all it's always a question mark. Uh, White Snow says, uh, I think Blizzard does a good job balancing the support heroes. There are still tier one supports, but in some situations, certain supports better. And and I would agree with that. Um, I think it, it was that. I think that goes back to like the discussion we're having on flexibility and it's like mm-hmm. yes there are tier one supports but they're not tier one because they are just really good they're tier one because they fit so much better into so many things and they don't have a niche right mm-hmm. like when you have a niche as a healer like example lily you offer blinds and that's like lily's niche when she gets value she gets a lot of value but like whereas Rhaegar doesn't need to like doesn't have a niche and that's why he's so s tier like niche heroes are good because they offer a certain area like that they're really good in but like, um, ex- you know, what, the tier one supports are there because they don't have a niche, and like the niche heroes are good because they have their niche. But the problem is, again, like you run into that flexibility issue where you kind of want to be able to pick your support early, and when you don't pick your support early, you lock yourself in. It's just like there are certain comps that you're just going to end up picking one of those tier one supports anyways. Yeah, flexibility value. Like, I I like Brightwing in specific situations, just to kind of give a specific name to it. Like, you're going up against the melee assassin, and the composition just reads like, oh, we just want to make sure Illidan can go in and do everything he wants to do, or we're going to ride on Tracer being able to jump around and do a bunch of damage. Polymorph puts the E-brake on all of that. So, yeah. if, I'm, if I have to play support in, in Hero League or Unranked, like, and I was going to take Rhaegar, and I see that kind of setup. 
I probably would end up going for Brightwing. So, speaking of supports, yes, Ariel, Ariel, Ariel. I'm really curious to hear what uh, how people find Ariel in the game in, in her current state. Baba Blue, what, what's your what are your thoughts on? Ariel? She's busted. <laughs> like, holy! I, I've played her a few times in Hero League and like quick match, mm. and like the experience I've had with her is she's 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 good. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people who are like, don't play Ariel unless like your team can, you know, you have someone on your team that can do damage. That's like the ten, kind of the general consensus among the pros in like Hero League. But typically, there's a person on my team I can put the the hat on and like they're just good enough to like I'll get enough heals, right? If your team, if no one on your team is going to get enough damage for you to be playing Ariel, like I don't know if you're going to win the game anyways, realistically. So. I found I found her disgusting good. Like you can set up picks, you get decent damage if you take the quest talent on Q at level one, and like you get sick healing if you take that talent at sixteen. But it's like I I think she's stupid good. Like if she's n- not highly prioritized at the at packs, I'll be surprised. Oh, I, I definitely think you're gonna see the Angel of Hope getting some play at packs for sure, and. And a large part of that is because of the the heightened coordinated aspect that, that Ariel really thrives on. For me, I like Ariel. Um, I think she is medium to high risk. In in that, you you when you take Ariel, you you have to have a more aggressive composition. Like you can't just sit there and really poke. Like you need one, perhaps two people that are going to be reliably kicking out enough damage for you to build up the resources to support your team because you're not relying on mana. You can't play entirely defensively. And I love the step that it's going for supports in general. Like, it's a more active play style. It's a more, you know, you are rewarded for playing very well and understanding this hero. I think supports in general should have that element so you're not just, like, a boring heal bot. But... You gotta understand how your composition plays because you take Ariel Grey Main and Grey Main's like your main source of damage, and he dies. You you can put the hat on Murden, but it's not gonna be the same kind of damage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to really it's it's kind of a high wire in in, in those aspects. Uh, so before we continue with that, Arnicus, I don't know how to pronounce that. Arnicus, Ariel's really cool. Problem is Gul'dan still sucks and is almost two months old. I disagree. I've played Gul'dan and he's super good. Well, he's not like super good, but I've like picked him and just like topped hero damage by like almost double what everyone else in the game is doing. And like if you can play him right, he's stupid good. And if like your team knows how to play him, he's stupid good. I, I don't like when people say heroes are bad, to be completely honest. Like I think every hero is good in their own way. And just because people don't play him in the pro scene doesn't mean he sucks. Like he's like I found him stupid good. I don't know what your experience is with cooldown, but like you, if you can get your E onto a squishy, like one or two hits, Q and W, like they're below fifty percent pretty much instantly. And then you get like haunt in there. It's just like oh, so good, so good. Gold Dan's kind of one of those, another one of those high risk, high reward style of heroes, like. 
I've gone against some terrifying Goldens. It's just like, how does he have 30,000 more hero damage than everybody else? Like, we just got wrecked. But then I've also seen some Goldens that just don't inspire anything. Okay. Uh, I just want to quickly say my build because he asked. Yeah. Uh, the build I run on Gul'dan is... I need, I need talent names. So at level 1, I'm taking the quest for E. Actually. Uh, which is uh, Echoed Corruption. And then four, consume soul. So like you're instant, instantly kill a minion and heal. That one's really good in team fights. You just like instantly get it. I don't really like improved life tap. Uh, usually I'm going for bound by shadow. Then at seven, I don't really like curse of exhaustion because you can take it. I just don't like it as much because like by the time corruption ticks down, they're either out of the fight or you've like. It doesn't like. I feel like after corruption has finished its tech fully, it's there. It's not that useful anymore. Uh, hunger for power is kind of good, but at the same time, like you need to be able to stay alive. Horrify at level ten because rain of destruction is too RNG. Uh, and then health stone at level thirteen because you can like tank dives you, you EQ alt W, and you pop health stone. You're at full health again. And then Ruinous Affliction, 100%. That talent is so good for bursting because it, you get combos really well with level 1 and then at 20, Haunt. And that's that's my build. I, I jumped into uh, Heroes of the Storm real quick. I tried to go through the talents. I, I jumped in at like 7. 7 to 10. Oh, okay. So. <clears throat> tried to add some visuals to it. Production value, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyways, going back to Ariel. Just... <laughs> Sorry, Ariel, uh, no, no, no. Like, I think the core weakness arcane. of her kit is that she's like stupid good, but the problem that she has is if you're inactive or your team is getting poked, like she sucks into poke comps if you're not, if like you don't have a good source of poke. Like, absolutely horrendous. She's really good into dive comps because, like, but you have to know how to use the alt. A lot of people, and this like tilts me to oblivion. When people pop the alt on you when you're already like at. 200 health just like I'm like so mad you use the ult to block damage and prevent damage not to like oh crap this person's low let's save them it's not the same as an ancestral or a d shield it's like this needs to be used preemptively it's kind of like phase shifting on someone or like ice block you want to use it like an ice block and you don't use ice block when you're at zero health because then you can't actually get healed out of it for me, for me, the Crystal Ages thing is, like, the turn of a fight. It's like, all right, this person's being focused on. Let's blow. Let's have them blow some of their cooldowns, and then there's going to be some damage. And in that damage, I get a bunch of uh, my resource back, so then I can heal them afterwards. And uh, there was a follow Sergeant War. I think that's how you say it. Thanks for the follow, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Force of Will Block. One thing that surprised me is I thought there'd be more value on the table for Resurrect than there really was. Um, I think you and I talked about this a little bit. I, I thought Resurrect would be a thing. But it, it, it's it's really win more is the problem I have with it. Uh, when, yeah, you're, when you win you're, a team fight and you can Resurrect someone, it's like game-changing. Yeah. But at the same time, you get no value out of your ultimate mid-fight, which is like what you want 
I right. think it would work best like in a double support setup because standing there trying to resurrect somebody. Yeah, you can. There's like there's neat situations like with VP or with Gust where you can like VP some VP their team get the res reengage or like Gust them away get the res and then regroup. But at this, it, and they're actually buffing it to make the cooldown less, which is good because mm-hmm. you want like late game you want to be able to use it every time, like and just negate a health time. Uh, uh, death timer rather than being like okay well someone died but I still need to wait 40 seconds to be able to res someone yeah I mean I mean I guess we can jump into some of the changes that the the proposed patch notes white snow says I feel like picking res is fighting in mid game with our heroic without I think it's supposed to be without oh without yeah it's just like I I agree with the whole win more thing it's almost like you need six people in your composition for that to really work because it's like the plan is you die. That's not like that's, not, and then I get to stand there for, and we're gonna assume after we lose one, maybe two people, I'm just gonna stand there for three seconds, and no one's gonna attack me. That's that's just ambitious. It's, just I, ambitious. it's you can. It's not necessarily attack at CC. So if like they're drafting a no stun comp, like the kind of same kind of I feel like same kind of comps Jugs works well into Resurrect would work well into, mm. like where you're not getting it interrupted, but same time, it, it it is a weird ultimate to use. But uh, that is going to be an ability that that uh sees some change. Right? So this planet dying is not going to be a good, yeah. It's just. That's a long. That's a long time to stand there without somebody, and yeah. But there is going to be a balance update coming out in a couple days. In my opinion, the Ariel of Tyrion and someone like Butcher or Greymane. You definitely need, in my opinion, a melee assassin, someone that does a lot of auto attack based damage, that is going to be consistently filling your resource pool. So you can my do, favorite. Do your job is Ariel Chromie because like you hit one W or Q and she has full mana again. Like it's disgusting. Oh wow. Yeah. It's like, it's, I played it once with, uh, Sahara storm legacy Mm -hmm. draft house, Nexus draft house guy. Um, and we were playing it. I was like, I'm just going to pick Chromie. Give me that. And he was like, okay. And then like I'd hit a WQ and he'd be at full. And he's like, wait, what? Like just you take the cooldown reduction. It's just like, bam, bam. It's same, same as Lee Ming. I don't like leaving as much so because it's not chromey, but it still works. Yeah, I can definitely see the the synergy between Ariel and Tyrael. Yeah, yeah, Tyrael go out there, blow himself up, and then you bring him back. But again, that's just a long time. Cho plus Ariel cancer combo. <laughs> Wait, does choke like does both Cho and Gaul's damage count towards Ariel's mana? I think so. Source accumulation. I think so. That's dirty. That is. Avoffy, by the way. It's a new name. How's it going, Wins? I saw you. Hey, guys. Early. But yeah, we, we can jump into this upcoming balance update. Production value. Okay. It's going to um, be some interesting changes. We can just start I, from the... I legitimately think this gall change means nothing. Oh, yeah. Because I saw this and I was like... Oh, alright. Cho gall needs to be a hero that is bad. Like... <laughs> Like I'm, I'm sorry, but I feel like Cho'Gal as a hero can't exist without being just like a for fun hero, because 
he's so frustrating to lose against. <laughs> right? It's like it's like the way Nova was, where like it's a cool hero, but when I lose to Nova, it sucks. Right? It's like it's it. like this is a cool hero, and I love the concept. I just don't like the idea of having him as a competitively viable hero. Do you think he's competitively viable? Um, I think Blizzard. If there was like a company that I could trust to get Cho'Gall, a two-person hero, to a completely viable level, it would be Cho. It would be Blizzard, and I think that they could do it. But you would need to build a comp fully around him, and in order to do that, you need to ban out like Tychus Leoric every single game. And when people start realizing you're doing that, they're just gonna like you know. If you see a Tychus ban, you can just be like, okay, bye bye Cho'Gall. Yeah, I think I think he's hard to pull off in a competitive level because it's just like, unless you're getting those last two picks, and the draft is gone in a way that can enable it, you're you're kind of asking for trouble, and then it's also very map dependent. Like, yeah, I feel like he works best on like Infernal Shrines or Battlefield of Eternity, where it's just like there's or Sky. I mean, to a lesser extent, Sky Temple. I don't really like him on three lane maps, but places where it's like there's gonna be one centralized team fight, like. Yeah, that, that's kind of his wheelhouse. But yeah, I, I just, don't think these gold chains are going to mean too much. I just think that he's a hero that him and Medivh kind of fit in the same niche where it's like if they're good enough to be used in solo queue, they're too good for competitive. <laughs> like, I mean, there's heroes that like I just I think Cho'Gall exists in that state and so does Medivh because if you can use it in solo queue, like if you use it in an uncoordinated team, in a coordinated team, it'll be disgusting. True. Right. So that's kind of scary to think about. That's another thing. C- Cocoon on Cho'Gall is like pretty lousy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, where'd he go? Where's the? <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of your team is just kind of losing everything. But if you get last two picks, they always have a chance to get that super. Yeah. So I don't know. You're, you're doing that one uh, in a pretty brazen fashion to take Cho'Gall in there. You're doing that because you feel like you're pretty much you're gonna win anyway. Yeah. In, in a competitive level, like <laughs> there's yeah. no like it's game five, BlizzCon's on the line. Or you're like, I'm we're all gonna press our R keys and cross our fingers. Right. Chogo. Like, like I, I don't think that's yeah. that's gonna happen. But here now this is going to be a change. Grayman. Raise a swipe, taking a tumble. Go for the throat, taking a tumble. Mark with a kill, getting a 100 plus percent like increase in damage. Just under 200 percent. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's like just under three times the damage. But I mean, still, 190. You're yeah. going to see Wolfheart not bring W off cooldown as, as quickly as we're used to. Eyes in the dark takes a hit. The uh, incendiary elixir increased the damage bonus per quest stack from 10 to 15. Increased the maximum damage from 150 to 225. Unleashed damage bonus per kill from 25. Uh, I don't need mean, really. Yeah, no, you don't take that anyways. <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, we what, talked what about this a little bit. Yeah. We did. And it was like, the way I said it was that I don't think that they don't want Greymane to exist as a burst hero. Like they w- don't, they aren't comfortable with him being a melee assassin damage burster. Like mm. it's because it's not fun to play against. 
right? Like if he gets jump, if he jumps on you, it sucks, right? Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of making him like a ranged attacker that can get in there and do stuff, but like he should be primarily ranged. And like once the fight is dragged down for long enough, he can jump in. Like I like that idea. I think that's what they're aiming for. But I think in order to do that, they need to just tone down his burst because if it's ever if it's more efficient to be in wolf form like constantly, then he's not going to be healthy. I think uh, what these changes signify to me is Blizzard. Blizzard wants people to live for a certain amount of time. I think that's the game design decision because it's like. Greyman can just in his current state right now before this patch comes out you're at 25% health you're gone like you're gone if you're if unless you're like a tank or something like that and I think what Blizzard's seen in these pro games is pretty much oh that guy was alive for like 0.5 seconds yeah like, like that's dead. that's not that's not really fun for someone like in the hero league level to see that sort of thing they, they, you want to be able to, to press buttons a little bit you want to so, feel like there's counterplay right exactly. <laughs> you want to feel like there's a chance so anytime you see an instance where a hero whether it's Greyman or somebody else they can put that kind of hurt on you in that kind of time frame I don't think it's going to last too long because yeah. it's fun to do it to somebody but you step around a corner and you're just going off the mat like immediately. Like it's just that. There's a. I, I discussed this with you and I, like the way I would retool, uh, Greymane is like. Mm. You can lower his razor swipe damage a little bit and then bump up like increase the damage to minions so he actually has wave clear. Or you can put that on Gilnane talk cocktail like one of those two, mm. and then, just like dropped the ratio for. Uh. You drop the ratio for like attack damage on the switch from Worgen to Wolf and allow it so like you can buff his attack damage a little more so he can stay in that human reign like form and get that good utility out of being a human. And then I give him like a lifesteal talent so that he's not so reliant on like you can't, you don't build a comp around him as much, which would be cool. Yeah. That's like kind of the way I'd, I'd retool him, like make him. Like, I can get in there with wolf form, but I'm not just going to be overpowering the entire backline if I'm in wolf form. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the way he was played the past while is just, like, human form is just, like, the precursor to act, why you would actually use the hero. Yeah, he doesn't feel like a human form hero. He feels, right. he feels like a worgen form hero. <laughs> so, I, I can appreciate them wanting to add some talent diversity. They, I mean, they, they kicked the elixir build in the groin the hard way a while ago so i'm glad to see them try to bring that back a little bit i think the the reason that they had to kick it in the in the groin was not the explosion damage at seven like increasing it but it was the fact that 16 combo with it so effectively and you got that huge spike so like before you would w auto q e q alt and they would die Mm -hmm. right now you can kind of still do that if you can aim your elixir properly, and like right. obviously Lord Budio said in chat, like when you were playing against East, when uh, MVP Black was playing against East Star, they just had to guess who was getting jumped on and like ancestralum because if he waited too long, they would just die and it wouldn't go off in time, which is so stupid to play against. Like, right? He he might seem okay at a low enough level, but as soon as you get that coordinated teams, like it's so stupid. Yeah, there's a bunch of tweets like, oh, you know, rest in peace, Greyman and stuff. And it's just like, 
I don't think he's going away like that. But you can't just 100% somebody in a second flat anymore with him. And, and I think that's kind of... I think that's healthy for the game. At all, and at I want to say, like, I'm fine with Blizzard dropping someone to... Yeah, Concentration Elixir was the problem, uh, in my opinion. It was the fact oh, that... Oh, the could, like, 16 just, talent? Yeah, like, <laughs> with, combined yeah. with the 7, right? Because... It you was, just hit everybody for like yeah, a million damage. <laughs> and the the whole point of Gilmay and Cocktail was like it doesn't do as much damage to the front person, but like the back people take the more damage. Right. But then they were like, oh, but if we just take concentration elixir, this is seven hundred damage to your face, and then I'm dark fighting on you and you're dead. I remember that. Name. I used to have fun with that. That was like on Towers of Doom. Someone's trying to like you know do like get the altar and you just step out of the bush and it's just like, it's like cocktail go for the throat goodbye. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I can appreciate that, but yeah, which sucks. Um, looking back, I and I don't know if we'll see the cocktail build though. I mean, it's it's one of those high skill cap sort of things. I'm curious to see. How it comes into effect at the professional level, I, th- I still think Wizard Duels is going to be the way to go. People tend to prefer um, at that level because it's yeah. just like you're 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 trying to build them for a late game. You're trying to build the snowball. That's how they've been using them lately. I still like I I'm okay with Blizzard just being like we're going to dumpster this hero until we can think of a way to fix them. Like as much as that sucks, if you love the hero, I'm kind of okay with it because. While, yes, like, it sucks, like, oh, man, like, I liked playing Nova, and they dumpstered her, and now she sucks, and I have to wait for a rework. Like, yes, that does suck, but at the same time, it's so much more frustrating to play against them that, like, I would rather them just dumpster it, get out a rework once they have, like, that decision in mind, and just do that, because it, like, it means that they're not trying to waste their time trying to balance something that they don't think they can balance. Yeah. I mean... And, and Nova specifically, one of those heroes that like, like you, you, she effectively can't exist, in my opinion, because if she's really good, if she can do a lot of burst damage, she needs to be a glass cannon, or else like why do you have her at all? Yeah. But if she can just jump out of nowhere and blow you up, like quick match, like uncoordinated plays is going to be a nightmare. You can't you can't have her around like that. So I, I I don't know how to do that. I'm looking back at the chat. Um, I think they should make the hitbox elixir be the same with singularity spike. That way you still have to hit someone. And they can still juke it and negate the value, but it's not as hard to hit. Well, I don't think the problem with elixir is that it's hard to hit. I think it's just a weird talent. And, like, the way you play with it is that you need to aim it at the tank, which is so weird because you want to hit the back line. Like, the mm-hmm. way you have to aim the skill shot is, like, I'm going to hit the tank and then spread it to the back line, which is the only skill shot in the game that's like that. It's the only skill shot in the game that operates that way. So it's it's difficult. I think the cocktail is just counterintuitive to how people play Greymane or, or how I think he's best played. Um, as he sits right now with how much damage Go for the Throat does, he's best flanking the back line. Yes. Like, jumping in from the side and be like, oh, where's your Li Ming? Like, I just kind of blew her up real quick. No problem. So, to rely on a talent that's like, I need to hit somebody to hit somebody else. Like, Which is, I think that's exactly the against, reason 
Blizzard doing this because they're trying to retool him so he's not that like I'm gonna just jump in and work in for him. Like even if you think about the way the hero is designed from a lore standpoint, like mm. he gets angry, he builds up his rage, and he jumps into work in form, right? Like his blood starts to boil, and he goes into work in form, and it's not supposed to be like, okay, I'm mad now and go. Like it's, it feels awkward. So I, I like the way they're retooling him to be like that more. This is a sustained fight, and now I can jump in. Obviously, what I think the attack range is the thing people pick because of the spread on twenty. I like his his uh, twenty talents. I think there's an argument for a whole like. For both the human and the worgen form upgrades, I tend to go for the worgen form just because I—that's how like I play more worgen form than human and team fights where I can, and I use worgen form to, to do wave clear. Like when I play Greymane, I almost always have like top siege damage because I just in the laning phase I'll just stay in worgen form and just use Q to clear the waves, and then the moment someone tries to jump me, I just like jump away, yep. like. As I learned to play Grey Maid more, I was like, why have I not been doing this? Like, it's a lot more safe. Like, yeah. if I'm just you in can, human like, form using cocktail and someone jumps on me, like, what am I going to do? Yeah, you, you queue and then you, like, disengage and you get such big gap close off of it. Right. Um, but like, Another question that I have for you, Baba Booey. Is Mark for the Killer thing now? I want it to be. Like, when, I, when the ultimates came out, I was like, this looks so cool. And, like... <laughs> tried using it and it's just the damage was like zero and i was like this is horrendous and like people keep on saying it's not going to be a thing but i think if blizzard retools him to the sense where he's that uh like ranged damage dealer that when the when the team fight goes a bit too long he can just capitalize and destroy the entire back line it mm-hmm. might be right because i like the idea of like all right this person i can just it pretty much like if you hit marked for the kill i feel like gray mage should be able to one be one them like most of the time i don't i think that if you use your ultimate like mark for the kill they have to pop some defensive in order to survive and that's like really important to me like both of his ultimates should function like that right where it's like if i pop my ultimate on you you need a defensive to survive or you need a healer so that he's like this 1v1 crazy solo person but i don't like the idea of him being able to just be like and it doesn't matter what your team does because i have enough damage to kill you <laughs> yeah I, I i think they're trying to get him away from that for sure still i'm looking back at some of the the cocktail comments yeah for, for me thematically the, the cocktail is an interesting idea from gameplay design but i don't know if it really fits how he's best played i think mark for the kill is going to become the preferred hero in my opinion i think grayman's gonna fall off and like not be seen really yeah and like i hate to say it but it's just like the way he's played is going to have to change so drastically and teams have, what, like, a week before packs, like a week and a half. And, like, that's enough time to adjust. But at the same time, if, the like, 99, and I'll say this, like, till I'm blue in the face, but, like, 90% of balance is placebo. And if people think he's bad, he's going to be, like, he's going to perform poorly. And, like, I don't think, maybe he won't be dumpster tier, but, like, I think he'll be, like, last rotation, super situational. <laughs> wow. Threatening dumpster tier now? I no, because people, everyone's saying Rip Greymane, right? So I'm like, I, I can see why you think, like, people think that. Like, he's lost all of, he's lost a huge amount of his burst, right? Like, 70 damage, that's like, or 65, oh, 65 damage is like, I don't know the, the math on it, but that's like 13% yeah. or something, right? I, I see what you mean, because the, the wildest shift in, in terms of the meta that I can remember that, 
you know, was completely placebo was like for a while EU like played stitches like out of nowhere and he was just like wrecking everybody but they like stitches had no changes like in months so it was like like where did this come from and then people are like oh stitches is good and it's like he's the and same then dude people it's like stitches is a cyclical hero because yeah. people learn how to like when you haven't played against him for a while, you forget the ranges and you forget where you can stand and where you can't. And then you play against him in scrims for like two weeks. And you're like, okay, well, if I'm here, I can get hooked. And if I'm here, I can't. So like you learn to play in those fog of wars. And mm-hmm. like that's why hook heroes are a lot less like heroes that their core of their kids. Like I have a hook. Mm-hmm. It's like darn seen as frequently because it's so easy. Like you can adjust to it. And then you have yeah. the god hooks who are just like you have to ban stitches against me because even if you're used to it, I'm getting you and I'm getting kills. That makes sense. Uh, Hectarus says, you took him for the insta-kill. If you can't do it anymore, you don't take him. That's a fair point. I, I think Greymane... I mean, yeah, you can't take him for the insta-kill as much as you used to. I still think go for the throw can be a thing. Um, if used properly. It's just not going to be like that 30% you're dead sort of thing. Um, Lord Boo had mentioned that uh, Mark for the Kill could be good um, in two to three warrior double tank compositions. I'm not sure if you meant like with that on your team or otherwise, but I think go for the uh, mark for the kill will be used best against a single warrior composition because since it has such a low cooldown, pretty much every team fight like if they have solo warrior and they jump in and you put mark for the kill on them, he's gonna stand there and eat a ton of damage or he's gonna back away. And if he backs away, then your team can just collapse. Yeah, it's, that was that was my theory like when we were talking about this before. The ult is kind of like a, it forces a reaction out of the enemy team, and there's some ults that don't do that. But, like, if you get marked for the kill and you're the tank, you either have to insta-kill Greymane or you have to disengage. Like, that's your two courses of action because that's just the way it works. And, I mean, I think his 20 is going to be stupid good if you ever go marked for the kill. Like, his 20 is bro- broken. The fact <laughs> that everyone refreshes it and it's just, like, as long as this fight goes on... Like, if you have Sylvanas or something and you have, like, Shadow Dagger on that person, that person's infinitely vulnerable and that's, like, so good. But... Anyways, I just... Yeah, I mean, uh, Flo made a blow of ETC with Mark for the Kill did it the other day. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of stuff I'm talking about. Oh, like, uh, Mark Lord... for the Kill plus Tychus could be, like, something that comes out. And, like, maybe I'm just not thinking of the synergies, but, like, Mark for the Kill Tychus, for example. You Mark for the... I mean, but that you don't even get it till 20. Like, I feel like if you're taking it for the vulnerable, you might as well just take Taronda and have a stun with it and Starfall. Yeah, I mean, because the, the other caveat I was going to put, like... If you go for Mark for the Kill, Greymane's not your knockout punch. Like, you need, like, a Li Ming or another big damage dealer to really enable that. And Lord Boo said, sees they go solo warrior, they have real damage. And it, it just becomes a race. Because it's like, if you take away their front line, that squishy back line is just there. It, it's just there. So if your team can win that, a team fight in that situation where you either make the warrior play scared or you make the warrior wait to respawn because he got deleted in the first two or three seconds, then then you're going to have a good time. Yeah, that makes sense. This is my opinion. Level 20 is practically take 25% of this hero's health away. Let me let me look at a... What is this level 20 down? Let me make sure, make sure I fully understand. It, um, it makes it so that everyone refreshes it. Ew. <laughs> yeah. 
That's why. That's why I like it. Uh, I'm calling it the pinata. Yeah, that's the pinata talent. Right? You just beat on that target to candy pops out. Everybody jumps in and has a ball. That would be pretty dirty. Are they actually? They didn't nerf his attack damage, so he might still just be like really good on battlefield when you're going for the immortal race. Like that might be a map that he's really good on. But I think, yeah, I agree. I agree with uh, Flowmage here. He's going to be much more map specific now. The difference between Tyrande and Greymane's vulnerable is that if you don't melt the tank by the first, by the time Tyrande's four vul- second vulnerable is up, that's all the time you get. And yeah, that that's the that's the other. But element. if you don't do that, then like you shouldn't be. If you can't do that, you shouldn't be picking Tyrande. Like that's why you pick Tyrande. Is your team should be able to burst in for four in four seconds? That's fair. I mean, again, I think it comes down to a stylistic choice. Um, Mark for the kill is one of those things where it, if it doesn't work in competitive, I don't know if it's going to work because you have to have some measure of coordination. It requires that, like you have to be duoed with someone or like doing this in team league because if your team doesn't know to focus on that person with you. There's not really much of a point. So it's almost like, hey guys, I'm using Mark for the kill on ETC now. Go do it. Quick, quick, go. Go do it. But if you don't have that kind of coordination, like your Lee Ming blows her orbs and stuff before that, Mark for the kill goes in, like, you're probably better off in Toronto then. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think we'll see him that much, to be honest. I think that, like, the, these nerfs or, might be enough to, to take him out. I'm not 100% on that, but. I think, I think that'll be a... Mark needs a slower meta than what we have right now. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, I think the meta on? will be slower because of these changes because Greymane uh, won't be that like point-click-delete sort of dude anymore. I don't know. We'll see. You want to move over to Gul'dan yeah. now? All right. how, do, how do you feel about these Gul'dan changes? You play them a good amount. Um, they're They're nice. They don't actually affect anything I do. So, <laughs> uh, it might change like it, might change it a little bit. Like rampant hellfire might be something I go now. I never used to take it because like uh, I tend to like people tend to back away really quickly, and I don't know. I like the burst that comes out of uh, his. He might take fell armor more frequently now. That's actually a really that's like a nice buff. Curse of exhaustion is like a quality of life buff. If I was taking it before, I'm still taking it now. I don't think that changes when I take it over. Uh, Whatever I said, I'd take it that tier. But, and then Echo to Corruption is like, it's going to slow down when you get the talent a little bit, but I still think it's the go-to. Because I don't think the Hubelt is amazing. It might be like that talent, if you're changing that talent at 16, it might make uh, like taking Q more more good and more viable. I just hmm. feel like Echo to Corruption is really the, the best talent. And then you built for Corruption. But. Yeah. I mean, the overall just or feel that I get from these, it's, it's more of like a sidestep. I don't think someone's looking at these patch notes and they're like, oh, I can play Golden. It's like yeah. if you already played Golden and you are and you know them, it's like, oh, these are nice. Like It gives me a little bit more diversity, but I'm still going to be overall as effective as I was before. So I don't think his place will really rise or fall at either like the Hero League unranked level or in competitive. I mean, we haven't really seen him in competitive, really. But We've seen him a couple of times, but it's been like not. He's been he's gotten stopped or it's been like not seriously picked. Yeah. 
I'm really but, curious to pick your brain about these these aerial changes. Um, so they're they're nerfing her a little bit, a little bit of a nerf. Okay. Buffing resurrect, but I still don't like resurrect at all. Um, basic attack damage. I didn't actually notice that before, so that might actually work well with the buff to basic attack, like it to the down to level seven. But overall, like, I think she's still roughly the same spot. It gives her a little, like, very, very slightly better talent diversity at level one mm. with that change. But I was really liking uh, increasing clarity because, like, you could get, you could legitimately fill up your bar almost by yourself if you hit, like, a two-man uh, Q in the center. I think it's kind of a... It kind of goes against the high skill cap, high reward sort of thing that they're going. Like, by changing level 1 like this, the the level 1 talent, and then increasing the auto attack damage, it actually lowers her skill cap in a lot of ways because now she's getting her mana resource more off of the auto attack, which everyone can do, rather than you're being rewarded for being able to properly use your abilities. So I think that's interesting. Um, I don't think Resurrect is going to be used at all. I don't think anyone's being like, oh, I'm going to use Resurrect now because it is like 90. I thought 90 seconds was absurdly long for what it does, so I'm glad that they addressed that. It, but Yeah, it might need to be like, because it's, it's such a weird talent where it sucks to lose against. It's like, we got the kill, but then we traded like two for one, but then they got the res off, and it sucks. And like, so if you have it at a point where you're able to... Like, it sucks to lose against, so it might just be, like, a really hard talent to balance. I mean, yeah. Like, if it was up, like, 50 seconds, that that would be annoying. And you feel like the kills you get don't really matter. You're like, well, they're just going to get resurrected anyways. Like, we need to wipe them where it doesn't make a difference. So it kind of sucks. But, I don't know. It's core W plus more base damage. Yeah, it is, like, it's... Yeah. That synergizes really well. Wait, plus energized core. Yeah, like that's a the increase. It's a twenty five percent increase on our base auto attack damage. So like theoretically, you're getting like twenty five percent more. Um, if you take energized core, you're getting like twenty five percent more off of it. But at the same time, I think that that talent here is going to get a lot more diverse. So I've used to pretty much exclusively take empathic link and just like throw it on my tank when we were doing poke wars, and I could get heals. But I think with that change, it might be a little bit better. Even Glimmer of Hope, like 50%. If you're taking the talent at level 16 for the like increased uh, maximum cap, like that's really good. Mm. And then Blinding Flash, I didn't really take that because I didn't like it that much. I liked, I think that's the talent. Yeah, I like being able to pull people in. Yeah. With uh, sweep and that was so like I felt like you could make plays with that. Like there's been times where like I pulled at someone to a wall and then flint put them into the wall because of converging. Like, it feels so cool when you get that kind of play. Right. So I haven't actually taken Blinding Flash that much, but it was really good, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that one was particularly necessary, the nerf. Like, I, I, I get it, but I don't know. I'm on the fence about that one. Lord Boo says, I mean, a real complaint about Ariel is while she can feel more active, she still has a major issue that she can't do anything on her own. She didn't do enough damage to fill herself up. And... Yeah, that's a really good point. Brother Shining A, thanks for the follow, by the way. Um, that's a, yeah, that's, 
That's kind of my biggest complaint about Ariel. It's just like, after a fight or outside of a fight, like you, in a lot of ways, it didn't feel like you really had a support. Like it just, <laughs> it just wasn't there. So, in 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 light of that, I I can understand the auto attack change. Be, yeah, being able to fill herself up more would help that. It's an interesting set of changes. Like when you took the the quest on at level one on Q, you could effectively fill like you get a good chunk of like your healing your bar filled up just by landing a good Q on like one or two people. That'd be like at least half your bar all the time. Mm. So like that was good. I can see why they're trying to lower it because they want more talent diversity day one. Like I see the reason for all these changes, except for really blinding flash. That's like the only one I don't really get. But Yeah, that's the oddball to me. But I like I feel like the changes are healthy for her. like yeah. not gonna, it's just it's just a little bit of quality of life changes and diversity. I mean I thought she was at a good spot. She's at a more well rounded spot, I think. Uh Sergeant Hammer I, I know they said that they're planning to do a deeper dive in the Sergeant Hammer. I don't even know why they did this. I don't Sergeant Hammer's another hero where I don't want her to exist in a competitive state because like it's so damn frustrating to play against. Like, mm. so frustrating in Hero League or whatever. Like, if you're on Battlefield and they can, the enemy team knows how to protect her, it's, it's like, what? you know, you, you literally don't feel like you have any interaction with the game. Oh, I hate playing against a good Sergeant Hammer, man. I'm, I'm not looking forward to the, I don't, I'm right there with you, man. She's annoying. She, she's like all the reasons why I think Gazlo is sleeper good because of his turrets. It's just like you're just standing there in a certain range and like, where did all of my health go? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like where did all of my health go? But now also increases Sergeant Hammer's basic attack range by twenty cent by twenty percent per trait. That might be like it kind of scares me because that's <laughs> yeah. like. That's I don't know how I feel about I that one. Mode, I think siege mode is a percentage of your basic attack range. Yeah, it, present, it increased it by ninety percent. So it affected like it increased basic attack range by twenty percent, and then it effectively makes it so that with siege mode you're at a hundred and eight percent. If I'm doing my math right, about of your current basic attack range with siege mode. Like they they increased the siege mode range by eighteen percent. If my math is correct, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm iffy about all that. And you take graduating range, and oh my god, like, yeah, I'm so she, scared. She's a. People say that some things in Heroes of Storm are, are cancerous. Sergeant Hammer. She, she's in there. She's in there, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's it's annoying to deal with her. She's kind of like an auto attack chromie, but she can like escape. <laughs> like that—that's what's messed up. Like you try to flank Sergeant Hammer or something, she does a little knockback blast wow. on you, and then just Z's away. And that—that's right up there with the Gaslow sprint. Like <laughs> seeing Gaslow sprint away and he gets away from you. Like I hate that feeling, man. I hate that feeling. <laughs> yeah, Lord, I is- think if the, what on the I hope on the rework they take. Yeah, so Sunshine brought up a good point. Like you already took it at level. Or at uh, the begin at four, but it also makes her early game even worse to play against because like now she can siege up even more effectively at level one, and you can protect her better, and you can get that snowball. 
So, <laughs> she also, yeah, she also does get a talent level four, as Lord Boo said. But that might not actually make a big difference. I hope the change they make to her in the rework is that she can't use boosters out of uh, siege mode. Like, I, I really hope that's a change because that is the most frustrating thing to play against in the game. Like, well, maybe not the most, but, like, getting onto a hammer and then just having her, like, blast you away, <laughs> like, press Z, and just gone. <laughs> and you're like, well, I got onto her, now she's sieged up a mile away and I'm still dying. Like, I'll tell you one thing, though. Playing Leoric, you getting in two more Sergeant Hammer feels good, man. Yeah. Feels then, good, but, man. But then you don't time your uh, you don't time your Wraith Walk correctly, and you just push back, and that's it. And you're like, oh, well, now she's out of my tomb. Bye, <laughs> man. Yeah. Okay, bye. Hammers you away with first aid. LOL, just no god, no. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, that's what I'm there? saying. Like, I just hope they make her. I'm okay with a siege tank hero, but I hope they make her less frustrating to play against. Like, if you get on top of her, she should die, and I don't think she should have that unsiege. Man, like unseizing mount in one quick move, I think it should be like unseizing, then you can mount. But yeah. I, I stand by the description of she's an auto attack chromie that can escape. Yeah, it's just annoying. <laughs> That's just annoying to deal with. <laughs> Moving uh, on, the Cho. I don't uh, think that's at all. Like again, Cho go if you. Thanks. I mean, do you have Nightbot on your channel? I do. But I think you can post links. Hey, I didn't get banned. Nice. Hey. <laughs> it's Kyle, uh-huh. by the way. Let's go. I think Hammer is such a boring playstyle. It's boring to play. Like, I prefer more active heroes for sure. But there's fun. nothing worse than playing, like, Sky Temple. And there's just some hammer in a bush just, like, plinking you to death. Or just doing anything. Just doing anything in the world and you just know... This Sergeant Hammer is just going to be ruining your face with these auto attacks. And then the moment you try to jump on her, she's just like, oh, I'm just going to hit Z. Bye. Yeah. See you. Bye. So there's no reason, like, where you look down, especially these days with, like, how much added damage the range minions do now. You know, a split pushing Sergeant Hammer that just Z's away when someone shows up. Like, that's annoying as <laughs> So it's so like tilting. you've lost the fort, and then you go down, you go down there, and you just see Sergeant Hammer just zing away. Yeah, it's like got the got the boost going. She's like, it's <laughs> <laughs> going. I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, so stitches has been changed. Gorge baby, I gorge think baby. It's a good change because it mean it like puts it on par with some like it puts it on par with Gust. I think. Maybe Gus is actually higher, but D Shield is ninety. Gorge is now sixty. So like you have, it gives you more windows against defensive uh, heroics, which is really nice. Same time, I don't know how useful Gorge is in competitive because it's kind of awkward. Like, I think it'll be good, and I think it's a nice change. I just don't know how much of a huge difference it'll make. I have been a proponent of Gorge. Oh, it's a so long cool. time. For a long time. Um, Fishing Hook, Gorge, and Bolt of the Storm make some of the most lulzy plays you could ever imagine in this game. Could you imagine Stitches? Like, I think we talked about this before. you imagine Stitches in Medivh? Stitches, Medivh, <laughs> blank. Like, it's... And you get an Abathur to make an extra Medivh? Oh, my God. Like... You're not going to kill him when he comes out, but it's going to look funny. 
<laughs> Could you imagine, like, er, like the heroics pop up, and you just see your teammate, like, behind the enemy keep wall, and, like, you don't have any of their forts down? It was like, just how? like, what? <laughs> yeah, and, like, that that person's only surviving with Illidan or Falstad. <laughs> that would be, that would be too funny. That would be too funny, man. But I don't know. I, I actually... I think if I there think, was a change to make Gorge viable again mm-hmm. in a competitive setting, it was lowering the cooldown. So I'm yeah. going to change. Because now it's like, it used to be that if you gorge someone, they had like a 10 second window for D shield to come back up after. And it was like, okay, you have to make advantage of that window. Taking advantage of 10 second window is really hard. But a 30 second window is much easier. So like yeah. having it be shorter than the defensive cooldowns means that you're, you can like blow gorge. If they blow an offensive, you can disengage and wait for your cooldown to be back up and then just use it again. And it's much more useful. I would agree. I mean, I, I think there's merits to using gorge defensively as well. I think people just haven't been as creative as they could possibly could potentially be with gorge. Cause it's just like, yeah, if you hook somebody and gorge them and take them away, like, yeah, for sure. Like, that's cool. But if you just go into, like, a straight-up team fight and then, like, a few seconds into it, a thrall, like, tries to flank or something like that. You just gorge or, you just Yeah, you just gorge them. And it's just, like... Or, you know, some your yeah. team's about to kill somebody and you just, like, gorge Uther so he doesn't do a divine shield. Like, I, I think if people used it in that capacity more... it's. The thing that I, it's kind of like a poor man's VP. So, like, if you were going to use it like that, you could have VP and it would just be better a lot of the time. I feel like. Now it's on a 60 second cooldown. Yeah, exactly. Now it's 60 seconds. Like, I I like this. And then, like, Malf can trank. But, lol, Malf and competitive. Um, (laughs) You're pretty right. (laughs) But, yeah. uh, I I do want to talk about these interior changes. I see that we already got some comments in the chat about this. Uh, I judgment, thought, best talent, you know, best ultimate. <laughs> it's funny, man. We were talking about this, and I'm and the level twenty talent hasn't gotten changed. So what? What will it so be? So thirty. Uh, well, no, thirty-five seconds, I guess, because it says it reduces it by fifty percent. Let me look. I have the game up. It's fifty percent. Oh no, no, yeah. it's it reduces by forty seconds. So it'll be on a thirty. Oh, second. so yeah, every thirty seconds, your elbow dropping. Oh my! Like that's pretty sick, nasty, dude. Hey. Hey, I don't know, man. That that one that one's up there. And that, I actually saw. So speaking of material, I was able to talk to Dunk Train about even uh, about protection and death. I was like, why isn't this talent used? Right? Because me and you were talking about it, it's stupid good. Like we just think it's stupid good. He's like, you know, I've talked about this a lot with Dunk Train because we've like discussed why it wasn't used because it sound like the numbers sound really good. I was like, okay, so we were right. We were right. Like we're chilling. <laughs> and uh, he was like. Yeah, the problem with it is, uh, like, you get into a position where can you get value out of it and what you have to do to get value out of it. So, like, it's just awkward to use sometimes, right? Like, with even in death, you can guarantee you get value out of your passive. Whereas, like, does your team clump up for your passive and then, like, maybe get anti-synergy or something happens? So, like, it it's just awkward to use is what he said. So, that's, that's it. Yeah, I mean... I don't. I don't think it would be particularly wise to have your whole team huddle up for it. But if you have like a gray main on your team, yeah. like you know someone else out in the front line with you, I, I wouldn't send Morales in there to get the shit. No, no. <laughs> like, well, you know what I mean? Percent more health. She still has no escape. Oops. Right. Right. So 
Yeah, the, the it it is kind of an awkward question about value, but those numbers are pretty pretty sick. Uh, the increase of one second on the queue. Um, uh-uh. I don't know if that was necessary. I don't think it's a gigantic deal. Yeah, but it's it it it's like they'll feel it. Like you'll a feel backhand. It. It's like uh, what's what's the word like stealth nerf to blocking field at sixteen. I don't know if that's actually called blocking field. Holy ground at sixteen, like it's a, it's like a, a stealth nerf to that, right? Because now you're going to get body blocking less quickly with it, which is good. But do you take Roderick reforging now because you get an extra? It lowers the cooldown by one second. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, it's funny, like we were talking about this before we were going over Tyrael. I was like. They should probably switch the cooldowns of sanctification and, and judgment. Yeah, cause, I think someone's watching the show. Cause right. That's exactly what we said. I was like, because, I mean, how is judgment going to have a longer cooldown than sanctification in terms of what they do? So I get that, um, especially after these past few competitive um, events. Like, say, I you want to talk about potentially dumpster tier? I think adding 10 seconds of sanctification is going to end the change the great main. These heroes are, like, gone. From competitive, in my yeah. Opinion. No, I think I think the sanctification is is okay still. I think it is. We'll see, um, man. I think it's okay still because you didn't want to fight without it before, so you still don't want to fight without it. And like, there's not a lot of heroes that can take advantage of that 10 second window, right? Like, you're still gonna run them with Sonya. You're still gonna run them with like Kerrigan, probably, or like maybe. Maybe we'll see him fade out because Greymane got nerfed right. and like that was the combo you saw, but I still think he's good. Like I still I like the, the, the change because it might mean we see more judgment and like now if you take a sustained combat material, you can be like, jokes, we're just gonna freaking judgment <laughs> kill you. Like get out of here, kid. Yeah, I mean, I still think he'll be good, but as far as like placebo goes and what will happen, I think between this and Greymane is gonna be like, oh well, the whole reason why we were doing this was so we can get go for the throat and a bunch of damage in during sanctification. So, but uh, Zachary said, "What heroics would be good synergy for judgment for the wombo or lockdown hunt?" Oh, mosh. Dot, dot, okay, dot. I actually played against this when I was uh, playing competitively, and like, it was actually disgusting. Like we were stomping the team. Like we, it was like third, it was like thirteen to ten, and they had like Nova, Tyrael, Johanna. And like one other person. And it was like, I was, it was Dragonshire and I was at my gate. Hmm. And I just saw the judgment animation, precision strike, blessed shield, and I died from full health. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Because <laughs> like, I was at full health at my gate. They're like, play safe, play safe, play safe. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, at, I'm behind my gate. Like, I can't play any safer. Oh, God. But it's, it's a. Ring of it's Frost. It's an interesting question. Um, <clears throat> Ring of yes. Frost is in there. Ring of Frost, Precision Strike, Hinterlands Blast. Was it the Crispy Taco was the combination? It was like yeah. Hinterlands um, Blast and Judgment back in the day. What else is there? I know there's other ones. Pyroblast. Blast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need to actually... <laughs> I need to think about that. <laughs> Could you or- imagine... <laughs> Pyroblast is about to drop on you, and then just Tyrael comes out of nowhere and just elbow drops you. 
That's tough. That's yeah. tough. Um, I think that's really Wailing <laughs> Arrow, Leaping Strike. I think so, you not really Thunder, but I think you go down one of two different avenues with with Judgment. It's either you have enough burst potential to where Judgment like sets the stage for that, or you set the stage for a prolonged amount of lockdown that allows you to get the kill. And I mean, it, it might sound like a pretty on, you know, pretty face value or weird thing, but it's like if you judgment someone and then polybomb them, like that's a lot of that's a lot of time to do damage, or you just take whatever that hero does out of the equation. But if you judgment someone and then get like a full range orb disintegrate sort of thing on somebody and you just blow them up then obviously there's value to be had out of that as well always judge <laughs> agreed 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 <laughs> so i i like the idea of, of judgment getting some more play i personally think that what they should do is make judgment either 60 maybe even 50 second cooldown and then take the cooldown reduction away at level 20 I actually like think it's in a good spot. Um, what, with seventy? With seventy, maybe they could make it sixty. But I think that having it base lower than cleanse would be too good. So like at twenty, it being lower than cleanse, I think is okay because you can play safer at twenty for like thirty seconds or whatever. But right. pre ten, like being able to just be like okay, and now like. Judgment's up and we're going. Is and they don't have cleanse, so it's a free like whatever this two seconds done. I think would be a little bit too good. Judgment earthquake. I was gonna say judgment sundering would be pretty good. I mean, just like kind of setting the stage for prolonged lockdown. I think you you could see some some value out of a out of judgment. Like it got used a couple times. Uh, the last regional, I think. But yeah, like that it, was with like Rayman and stuff. Like it was just like we're just gonna jump on you. Just it's situational. It's like they we need to take the we need to win the fight right away. Otherwise, we don't win, and that's when right. you take it. So I'm I'm hopeful for some more judgment action. Also, again, this is like D Shield is 90 seconds, so this gives you a 20 second window instead of a 10 second window, which is really nice. Right. So there's that. You also get to just take judgment into Rhaegar and make him hate his life. So. Because Rhaegar can't dance self-ancestral. Can't self-cleanse. I mean, that's really the best way to use Judgment. You just, like, rock the support, like, right at the beginning of a team fight. Right? It's just like, you can't you can't cleanse yourself, buddy. Like, this is always going to happen to you. <laughs> like, this is, always, yeah. this is always going down. So, I, I, I hope we see it more. Um... I don't think many of the other... I th- actually, I think the level 7 talent changes are the most exciting to me. I think that reducing Reciprocate's damage, adding follow-through is really interesting, and then Angel's Grace is, like, I like that. I like the 7 changes. Um, 13 is just kind of bug fixes. I think that Imposing Will will still be good at mm. 13, and then Salvation. I, I think, actually, people have been taking that, which is cool, but... Uh, I just, I think that his build will relatively stay the same, except for maybe seven. Hmm. 
Zachary said you end up having like a 75% uptime on your W if you talent correctly. Yeah, but he still runs into the same issue where you're going to get like he has no hard CC. Except how for judgment. Hey, how, how do you see this changing? So you said that the build's going to stay the same. Except do you still think we'll see solo material composition, like solo warrior material compositions? I think we might see them more now with the judgment more. change because you get like the problem with material, and one of the reasons you can't be a solo tank is because of the lack of ability to initiate a fight really well. Um, and with the judgment chain, he gets change. He gets decent. He gets better initiation. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I feel like maybe we'll see him the same amount. Maybe mm. I, I think that if he's going to stay as a double t- as people are going to keep running him as a solo tank, I think we'll see it more and more. And that's not because I think these buffs are going to change it, but I think people are going to just keep on realizing how good of a hero he actually is. See, I think this is going to put Tyrrell into more of a bruiser role where people will use judgment more often and they'll take follow through and then they'll get more damage out of him. And then I'll use Judgment as an engage and then have, like, maybe an ETC or Murden with him. But my question is, okay, because, like, I, I like that idea, but what stops you then from just being, like, we're going to pick Tyrael, and if we feel like we can run him as a bruiser, we will, but we can just still run him as a solo tank and he's just as good. I mean, that's kind of the flexibility in how they're shifting him. Like, I, I still think how people have been using him, it will it could work. That 10 seconds is probably going to hurt on sanctification. But you can still get away with him being a solo warrior. But now I think there's a valid argument for, like, we will have enough damage if we go double warrior with a material now. Because I don't think that was all. I don't think that was always <laughs> really the, the general opinion. But, Hessian, yeah, this, this is going down Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Change and 24th. 24th, that's, that's like two days away i don't know if i are they going to be playing this at pax i hope not i don't know well actually they'll have like a week and a half so maybe it's okay but i still don't like the idea but they probably will now do you think salvation has been buffed enough to contest holy ground no (laughs) is too good it's like you can never do boss against me and like I can, like I have better body blocking ability. Right. I think Holy Ground is stupid good. Like probably one of the strongest sixteen talents in the game, relative to the hero's kit. That is. Wait, what? I'm looking at the bug fixes. Ario can no longer become polymorphed indefinitely if she exits a self cast crystal ages in the same moment that she comes on the effects of Garan Terra's Queen Cur. <laughs> what? Frame perfect tricks to eliminate <laughs> Ariel from the game. <laughs> I I never I never even heard of that, but man, that'd be funny to see. Holy crap! Good on them for spotting that one. That's an obscure bug. Yeah, that'd be frame perfect. Funny. <laughs> so you know that just happened bye, in one bye. game, and they were like, "Oh damn it! Right. Like, we have to go. We have to go rewrite twenty lines of code to fix this. That's never gonna happen." Bastards. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. The t- the material the, the more the more I'm thinking about it, Gray May might be gone from competitive. He he might be gone. 
Maybe a little I, bit. I think he'll still be good, but like we were talking about earlier, in competitive play as far as, you know, sticking with standard drafts, people practice this stuff to have, like, these micro jobs where, like, th- these heroes can do one thing really well. And mm-hmm. if Greymane can't switch somebody's lights off as reliably as he used to before... Again, I think what they're gonna what they're what they're doing with Greyman right now is kind of dropping him so that they can focus on reworking the kit a little bit and figuring out what they want his identity to be. Because I think they want him to be an auto attack hero, but they're not exactly sure how to put him there. So I feel like these change are like to because as was said in chat, like I don't see a reason to pick uh, Greyman over uh, Rainer anymore. And like, there's maybe an argument to be made for that, like a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Greymane that. was still used, but at the same time, like, I don't expect it at all. Uh, the, unless I was going up against the ETC, I, I would still take Greymane over Rainer. That's just me. Because he's still, like, he's not, it's not like they, like, he's hitting with a wet noodle anymore. Like, he still can do His auto attack damage is still the same. Right. It's just they, they lowered his spike damage, which was the reason he was used, which is why I'm scared. Because the way I played Greymane, it was like flank and delete, or poke, 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 I'm jumping in a wolf form, and I'm ripping everybody's face off. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like, you, you. When was the last time you were like, oh, look at that six stutter stepping from Greymane. That was so clutch. <laughs> no, you're like, look at how they got deleted. <laughs> right? So. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Rainer takes that take the spot that he's in right now. But my question for you, and hey Fathom Zeep how's going? Man? Um my question for you, Baba Booey. So Greyman goes away. Like we're just talking hypothetically. Okay. As far as, you know, competitive level draft prioritization, you had one job. Greyman goes away. Who takes that place? Illidan. Really? Yeah. Not because Illidan's gonna do the same job, but because Grayman was really good into Illidan because he would pop, you could like CC him and pop, as soon as he pops out of meta and you could actually just blow him up with Grayman because he had a good spike and it was instant, mm-hmm. right? Like that matchup was so heavily in Grayman's favor and now that they've lowered his spike, if Illidan can survive that spike and get healed up, it's like it's gonna be a lot harder. So like that's my thought process on it. You might just see like Kerrigan, but Kerrigan's again like, Kerrigan. most of the time you're not getting Kerrigan anyways. <laughs> We might see a complete shift in the meta if Greyman can't blow people up, though. Like, I haven't seen, been seeing a lot of Greyman because I don't think he's that great right now. I actually thought he was in a pretty okay spot, mm. but we'll see. Because I mean, we're we're just running out of heroes that do like an obscene amount of burst damage by themselves. So I'm I'm really curious to see how that goes. Because like, in my opinion, uh, Flowmage throws Tracer into that conversation. But again. Uh, in my I opinion, like, it's more like sustained damage. Like, I mean, the bomb does a good amount of burst, obviously. But the question of is, like, if we can't blow somebody up, if, like, Greymane blows people up right now. If we don't get that burst damage out of him anymore, who do we, we get we, it out of? Exactly. And, and there's no, like, Lee Ming? There's Ming? no melee assassins that fulfill that burst role. Right. So in that, the meta, the meta has to shift. I think we'll see Thrall more. We already started seeing a good amount of Thrall anyway. So, like, if sustained damage becomes more of a, you know, the only real avenue, 
I think he comes back into the conversation. Lord Bruce says Tracer isn't a sustained damage here. She is like you play her for the burst, and then the rest of the team fight you're sustaining. But that like you play her to trade one for one, essentially. Yeah. I maybe maybe I just don't know Tracer that well, but it it just feels like to me. You put like you can put a pulse bomb on someone. That's a good amount of burst. But like outside of that, it's just like she's got what melee. She's got like a W. Well, like the idea is you get on the support and you spike up the support, right? Yeah. I see. I see what you mean, Lord Boo. In in that there is burst, but I don't think that replaces great main. I don't think that replaces what great main does. You're not get. You're probably going to end up getting the same numbers out of Greymane after Wednesday that you get out of that. I'd be curious to see those numbers. Not sure. The the amount of damage Greymane's going to do versus Melee, Pulse Bomb, Parting Gift. I'm 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 actually really curious to see what those numbers are. I might do some some testing in in Tri Mode specifically to see how that. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, Courtney, how's it going, Courtney? I feel like Rayman being so low prioritized at Gamescom was like a weird peer into the future. Feels bad, man. I think EU just never really prioritized Rayman like that. Well, they did. They did. They ran him. Yeah. In, they they run him in like a faraway lane, and then they just use him to like clear waves and be a solo put solo push pressure for a lot. Like when he was OP, that's what he did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I I agree with Courtney. Like we we didn't see him that. You can see him like that. Uh, yeah, he also runs a different play style, which is weird. They they run like the more sustained drafts yeah. with Lunara and stuff. Yeah, EU definitely seems to prefer more sustain, which is odd because then because the, then some teams will break out solo support Tassadar, and you're like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not sold on solo support Tassadar. Neither am I. At all. Uh, Lord Bruce says she charges relatively quickly, especially if she gets the melee talent to increase the charge. So she can go in with some charge, completes it with melee, pulse bomb, pieces out. But my 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 concern about relying on that in the same way you rely on Greymane is she doesn't get those two dashes all the time after she E's anymore. So I I don't know I don't know. I just feel like you're you're running a pretty big risk doing all that uh it worked on getting fanatic to have to cheer on dignitas to get the tiebreaker <laughs> it didn't work there <laughs> i saw that they went so much more tasks that that game five and i was just like yeah <laughs> well yeah lord, lord but that's that's what i meant like I mean, in the con- the the hypothetical question, I mean, like who replaces Greymane for that burst damage? And uh, I can tell I you, know I would I wouldn't go for Tracer. Leaping Strike Lunara. Never trust a big button to smile. That girl is poison. <laughs> <laughs> I like Leaping Strike Lunara these days. When she first came out, I was like, why would you ever choose to oh, oh. willingly leap into the enemy team? So, but you can find some good positional ways to, to get value out of it. You have to you have to do this. I'm telling you, it's like the best way to play Dinara. Alright? Okay. You take Leaving Strike at 
10 and you take Choking Pollen at level 16, you get one auto attack off, you W so that they're slowed, you Q underneath their body and Leaping Strike at the same time, and they're like dead. It's like a 70% burst. It's disgusting. Try it. Try it and like watch watch the solos just like just die. <laughs> that sounds so wrong, man. You're it's just great. out there living your life and then Lunara just poisons you and jumps over you and you're just going. It's great. It's like I'm telling you, you have to try it. You it's great. Double tap leaping strike and they're dead. Like that's it. Game over. And you just hear Lunara giggling as she does it to you. (laughs) That's rough. That's rough. Island is deep. 67% win rate with solo support tasks. Oh, I mean. I just don't like it. Yeah, I I don't. As a tank player, I wouldn't feel cool about solo support tasks. Yeah. As like the carry, like if I'm like a, like a, Grayman or something like that. Any anybody on the front line, I would not feel cool. So <laughs> support Tassadar. I don't know. This is me. Grayman will return to his roots. He will poke more and engage only to confirm the kill. Yeah, but the problem is, does he have like if he can't secure the kill from high enough health, is he going to be used? I think there are more options. I think there are more compelling options to fulfill that role, like Lunara. Like I just take leaping strike Lunar right. choking well, Pollen. Like anyway. you just poke somebody to death with Lunar and then leaping strike on them, or you do this dirty combination Baba Booey's talking about. I like I want I tried using it day one and it wasn't good, and then they just kept buffing it, and now it's like so good. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's disgusting. So I, think about it. I never even looked at it that way. Because hmm. it's like the leaping strike slow is good enough that it guarantees the hit if you put it underneath them. Uh, butcher to who replace Grayman? No, I'm sorry. Butcher's like just so awkward. Mm. He gets he dives in and dies. Sorry. Mm. I don't know, man. It, it would we go through a very. It'd be a very narrow window. Um, we talked about the merits of Medivh Butcher, but as far as like I'm flanking you from the side, up oh, you're dead, dude. Um, what's the name of the talent? The way when I play when I play Butcher well, I don't always pull it off as we've seen in viewer games <laughs> in previous episodes of Meta the Storm. Uh, what's the talent name? Uh, cheap shot. No, I'm at thirteen. Uh, Savage Charge. Mm. Yeah, you can. The, so the way. Well, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll go over my butcher build real quick, real 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 quick, real quick. So at one, I go for. Normally, I go victuals, because I like to sustain. Four, I go unrelenting pursuit, cooldown reduction when the E hits. Go for abattoir, seven. Furnace blast at ten. Savage charge at thirteen. And then Blood Frenzy at 16. And Bolt of the Storm. Or Nexus Blades, I'm feeling, feeling frisky. So, so you're just going that full, uh, I'm going to get on you and you're going, well, ah. 
and that's and that's what it does. Like when it works, dude. Thirty five percent added attack speed on Butcher when he flanks you out of nowhere and gets a furnace blast on you, and the charge does ten percent more damage. You're gone. Like you're gone. You're gone. So as far as replacing that like surprising amount of melee burst damage, I don't. You do that right. Okay, okay. You actually Somebody have to try. Is going away. Try taking cheap shot instead of unrelenting pursuit for extra burst. Try it. Hamstring does 100% more damage. Can you get the Q in before the stun goes out? Uh, I think so. That's compelling. Yeah, they're stunned for one second, so you can get it. That's compelling. You just spam it. And like the, the burst is huge. It's gross. <laughs> That's actually quite compelling. I'm about to try that. But yeah, I think if Butcher if Butcher's played like that, and it's in a coordinated manner, like you have even without Medivh, like Uther Butcher, and Butcher's like hanging off in the bush on the side. The team fight starts up, and then out of nowhere, it's just like. Oh, I'm going to charge in from the side and then detonate you with Furnace Blast and I'm cheap-shotting you and it's 10% of your health and then I'm swinging like a madman and then once you guys target me, I just get a Divine Shield and I casually stroll away. Like, <laughs> That's pretty dirty, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, Flo Maze. You might, you might be on to something there with that. I'm... Now, what would be funny, PAX West, we start seeing some Butcher come out. And if they use that build, I, every time we see Butcher, every time, I'll be doing the, the the four months thing. The four months thing. That's in there. Lord Bruce says, the thing about Butcher is that I honestly think he needs Medivh, unless you're like MVP. Well, that that's what I mean. Like, in super high-level coordinated play, where your positioning is like top tier. Yeah, he needs Medivh in general. Or Uther. I look, the way I look at Butcher, like the rest of your composition has to have has to be self sustaining. You, like, you the way need I, to build around him. Like it's, Well it, it it's hard for me to like I treat Butcher like Zeratul. Like, he's not there at the beginning of the fight. He's there once the the pieces have been set and, like, people are starting to go in their team fighting. And, oh, surprise! Butch is coming in from the side. Like, he's the closer of team fights. That's the way I try to play him. So, in that, the rest of the team has to be... has to have a serviceable composition. They have to be able to withstand the first few seconds of a of a team fight. Or, or it doesn't work the way I try to play him. So. Yeah, that's fair. I like playing Butcher Leg. Bottom of the ninth. Send in that new send in that new pitcher. Throwing that high heat down the plate. <laughs> right, like. And then and then you know, if if you go with your rework idea, he just holds the D and goes crazy, right? <laughs> Activate your D. Oh <laughs> <sighs> uh, previous a previous episode of Metastorm. I think it's a highlight too on here. Uh and Varen was on the show. We were talking about Butcher. And uh, it's a funny conversation. 
<laughs> I, I forgot about that. I remember listening to that, and I was like, "Oh God!" I just saw you start laughing, and I was done. Like I was, I was dead. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it's we. I didn't realize it was already ten oh nine. So we've we've. This is a two hour episode now. A very rich discussion. Um, always a bunch of fun. Had a good amount of viewers. I I love the participation and support and insight. One thing that I love about Meta the Storm in general is that, uh, like, we'll try to have, like, a like a game plan. Like, you know, we'll talk about these, this, this, and this. But it almost always just becomes, like, just an organic conversation. Like, we weren't planning on talking about the butcher. I can tell you that. So, th- thanks for, for you guys' participation and whatnot. Um, one thing that we do uh, try to do after episodes... Um, is to do viewer games. If we do like a an, an emphasis on a character, we'll try to play that character a bunch. We didn't really have too much of an emphasis. Like I like I guess we talked about Ariel, but um, we normally go over like talents and stuff. Um, we kind of did that with a few years, I guess. But again, it was more of an organic thing. So, so there's a met, there's a channel slash join meta on the North American server. 